Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the word of God bless you today. The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, Well, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Well, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for what we're getting, what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Interesting reading for Reign of Christ, Sunday before Thanksgiving, before we unleash the great spirit of Christmas to think about the cross and the crucifixion. There is a date for the coronation of the new King of England. That's King Charles III. There's a date that's been set. It's May 6th, 2023. Mark your calendars. Now, I will admit, I'm not really one to be taken up by royal families. I think Americans' fascination with the royals is at least deeply ironic. But it's in keeping with our cultural obsession with celebrity 
Now, it's in my DNA to be a little bit resistant to monarchy. My 10th great-grandfather was Roger Williams. He was an English-born Puritan minister who came to the American colonies in in 1631. Grandpa Williams, as I call him, was the founder of the state of Rhode Island. It was a place of religious tolerance and freedom. Uh, Judy Linder is uh, also a direct descendant. We're, We're cousins. Roger Williams also founded the first Baptist church in America. He was an originator of the idea of the separation between church and state. He was morally opposed to slavery, and he forbade the practice in Rhode Island. He was an advocate of the Native Americans. He championed their rights. He learned their languages, taught others. He became a friend, truly a friend of multiple tribes, especially the Narragansett tribe in Rhode Island. And Roger Williams believed that the experiment taking place in the American colonies was to try to live as a community governed by commonly agreed upon laws and not a monarchy that believed their authority and their political leadership was directly granted to their bloodline by God. When Roger Williams was living in London, the first King Charles dissolved the parliament and began 11 years of tyranny, crushing all political and religious dissent. This religious and political persecution caused the Puritans, including uh, very famously John Winthrop and Roger Williams, to leave England for a new world. This was, this was some, about 10 years after the pilgrims arrived on the Mayflower that first Thanksgiving. But this way, this way of King Charles, this is the way of kings and of men with power, with wealth and greed and fear. Have you ever heard about the providence of God? Providence of God? So providence is is a fancy theological word for God's active work in the world. Providence is our belief that God can and does work out all things, ultimately according to God's good and perfect plan for us and for creation. When somebody says that they're handing a situation over to God, they're actually saying that they are trusting God's providence, that God is going to work it out. Whatever situation that you face, all of the worries of the world, and there are plenty. In God's good providence, all will be well. Williams believed in the providence of God, that we can simply trust God to work everything out, and he had enough experience of men trying to play God and the suffering that that causes the people. So Roger Williams distrusted men in power, and he deeply trusted God's good power. He believed in providence so much that he named the first Rhode Island settlement providence. 
He believed in it so much, he named his third daughter Providence. Now, when God called Moses to lead the people of Israel into freedom, it was to escape the king of Egypt, who held them captive for 400 years. When God gave Moses the law and the Ten Commandments, it was so that God's law and no royal would guide our lives together. If Israel was to be a kingdom, God alone would be their king. And their faith was to be in his providence. In the book of Judges, it says, So in those days there was no king over Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is God's plan. Trust his will. Let the law provide structure to our lives. Let the spirit guide us and we will have freedom from oppression, freedom to do what is right. But all the nations around Israel, they had kings. And soon Israel wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted a king of their own. So they came to one of God's prophets, a prophet named Samuel. And they said to Samuel, appoint for us a king to govern us like the other nations. But this troubled the prophet Samuel, and he prayed to God about it. And God answered him, Samuel, <sighs> listen to the voice of the people. Listen to the voice of the people. Because they've rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done from the day that I brought them out of Egypt. Forsaking me, serving other gods. So listen to their voice. But you shall warn them and show them the way of kings. So Samuel did as God commanded. He told the people about the way of kings. This is what he said. So these are the ways of the kings who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen. Which is to say, he will put them in his military. He will appoint himself commanders of thousands. Make some plow his fields, reap his harvest, make his weapons of war. He will take your daughters to be his perfumers and his cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards. He will take one-tenth of your grain, one-tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the people refused to listen to Samuel, and they said, no. We are determined to have a king over us so that we also may be like the other nations. God said to Samuel, listen to their voice. Set a king over them. So they became like the others, less free, bound to the will and warring ways of a ruling class. Roger Williams saw this authoritarian drive infecting the newly freed Puritans who came to the new world to try a new thing. 
but they immediately began to oppress and slaughter the Native Americans. They imported slaves from Africa. They tried to dictate people's spiritual lives and beliefs. God created us for freedom and promised to be our only Lord, but the people refused to listen to the warning of the prophets. We are determined to have a king over us. And some will be more than happy to fill that seat. They see themselves worthy of such power. So over here, there's a man running for president, determined to be our ruler again. And over there, there's a president raining down missiles on a neighboring country. And there are corporate kings sowing chaos. And there's a date set for the coronation of the third King Charles. But fellow Christians, I want to remind you that we already have a king. We already have a ruler over us, and it is God and God alone. We already have a Messiah. We have a Savior, and it is Christ our Lord, and we have seen his coronation. It started with a parade, and it ended with a cross. You know, coronation literally means to crown, to adorn. The Gospels say that when Jesus faced his death, they mockingly twisted a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. They adorned him with a royal purple robe, and then they sneered, Hail, King of the Jews. When we determine we want a king over us or any kind of ruler, we put them in a big house, a mansion, a palace. When God determined what kind of king we were to have, he surrendered to the abuse of the people, and his coronation was his execution. The fanfare was mockery. The pomp and circumstance were humiliation and suffering. As Jesus died on the cross, he was taunted over and over again by people daring him to save himself. First, the crowds. He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Messiah of God, his chosen one. And then the soldiers, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then even one of the criminals dying on the cross beside him. Are you not the Messiah? then save yourself and us. Now that criminal at least got it half right. He will save them because he is the Messiah. But he will not save himself. He had the crown. He had the sign over his head that said king. And so the people dared him to act like the only kings that they knew. The ones who saved themselves. Doesn't that say a lot about our experience of powerful people? That what we expect them to do with their power is to save themselves from the banks, the media companies, the billionaires trying to colonize space. As Samuel warned centuries back, these rulers are in it for themselves and we are at their service. But God, let us have it our way looking for human saviors when we always have the option to simply give our hopes and our worries 
to God who will care for us. Powerful people in our world are only human, though they may be surprised to hear that. They are only human. And they will be afraid, and they will act out of fear, and they will do anything to save themselves. So why won't Jesus, if he is really a king, why won't Jesus do as rulers do and save himself? But here's what's different about Jesus than every human being who has ever come into power. He didn't come to save himself. He came to save us. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And that is what truly great human beings do. They serve. Jesus is always the most powerful person in any room that he is in. And he is the one who washes his disciples' feet, who touches the unclean, who endures suffering and crucifixion because his people do. He's the only real king, the only true power, and yet he did it his way, as Frank Sinatra might sing. And he showed his power in his humility. And greater than any king, ruler, or president in the world, he truly helped his people. Indeed, he saved the whole world, not by saving his life, but by giving his life. He allowed himself to fall victim of the ways of humanity, of violence and fear and greed. Where is your God, people say, as they ask, they ask of us as, as they look at the state of the world. Where is your God? And we point to the cross. There he is, suffering as we suffer for our sake. And there he was last night at Club Q in Colorado Springs as bullets rained down on innocence. His broken body met theirs and his resurrection brought them out of terror and into heaven. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And there he is in Ukraine with soldiers and civilians mourning the ways of kings and saving his children from the darkness. And there he is with you in your grief or in your fears, in your doubts. There he is giving it all for all in his dying breaths, offering us hope. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. He risks it all for us and for our good. And he is our king. He is real. You can trust him. We can pray today a prayer of faith with the criminal dying by his side. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replies, truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. And that's the truth. 
There was a time many years ago when approaching Christmas, the pews of this church were so full that they had to open up the walls and bring out the extra seats. And there was a beautiful choir filling the loft. And I imagine they would have sung about this time of year, Handel's Messiah, maybe a few times over the last century. And when they got to the Hallelujah Chorus, well, I don't imagine that there was a dry eye in this house as they belted out the truest words ever spoken or sung, words that reset our gaze on heaven, words that make us take our hearts and our hopes out of the hands of whatever situation that you feel has power over you right now. Take your heart from that and to give it to Jesus. I think they would have sung so loud that I actually think some days that I can hear it echoing off of these walls. I think you might if you really listen. They would have sung, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth hallelujah, hallelujah. The kingdom of his world is the kingdom of our Lord, of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings, forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And Lord of lords, forever and ever. Hallelujah. King of kings, he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Oh,